0: You can do this without any sort of buckets just bringing your arms overhead and then down so inhale up exhale down and just breathing deep into the body and by practicing deep breathing exercises such as this where you're going deep you're breathing through the nose it's going to help your default breathing patterns to change
1: that was logan christopher and you're listening to the just fly performance podcast If you're in the world of sports performance, you've probably heard of jump testing mats. These mats use hang time to measure total jump height or contact time to measure quickness abilities off of the ground. The best jump mat that I've come across also happens to be a sponsor of this show, which is the Plyo Mat. The Plyo mat is not only accurate, easy to use, and affordable, but it also allows you to string multiple mats together to add an extra dynamic to plyometric testing and training. To check out the Plyomat, you can head to plyomat.net. That's P L Y O M A T dot net. Today's podcast is sponsored by Team Builder. Team Builder is an online software for coaches and trainers, and I've continued to hear great things about the Team Builder platform. If you're looking for either an in house training portal for your training groups or an online training hub, be sure to check out the Team Builder training software. Welcome to another episode of the podcast, and thanks for tuning in. I'm excited to welcome back to the show today, Logan Christopher. Logan is a strong man, a mental training expert and author. He's the CEO of Lost Empire Herbs and the owner of Legendary Strength. I've had some great conversations on mental training and the pyramid of strength with Logan in previous podcasts. On today's podcast, he gets all into breathwork, breathing, and its impact on human performance. We also get into belief systems and the mental regulators that can uh, hold back our full strength potential. We'll also be getting into integrating some mental and emotional uh, states in physical training with hill sprints as a, a piece we'll be discussing there today. Logan is a wealth of information and I always enjoy our chats. Let's get on to episode 390 here with Logan Christopher. Logan great to have you back on the show man it's been a little while uh, i know you've been moving like all over the place so how's uh, how's it been maintaining like training in light of going from house to house to house is there any like new things you're working on it's
0: honestly been quite quite tricky at times like i get in one place and it's like okay set up my gym cuz i'm good to go here and then the house is full of mold so I have to move and then at a completely different place and then with that you know I was working on the the Beast Challenge with the kettlebell. That's uh, pressing pull-up and one-legged pistol squat with uh, the Beast 106-pound kettlebell. I didn't quite get there, though I was very, very close. However, I burned out hard in the moving and the struggles of life that were going on. So when I got to my new place, I was like, I'm stale on that more psychologically than physically. Uh, What can I do that's a bit different? So I've been working on something I call like the spring spectrum really working skill, strength, strength, and endurance strength, like a wide variety of different exercises. And that was just a fun, big change of pace. And right now I moved again, because again, the mold situation, the craziness of life, yeah. uh, and now just kind of settling into the new place and still figuring out what I'm going to do. But uh, one of the goals I've been working towards is tearing two decks of cards in half at, at once. Because one deck is not enough. (laughs) Just looking for the next challenge. Like, yeah, I haven't done that one. Let's go for that.
1: Yeah, I was when you said two decks. I was thinking about when we were training that one day in your garage when we were both back in California. And Mm -hmm. I, I don't know how many cards you gave me, like twelve or fifteen. And I was like trying. I was like, I was. I've always been like happy with my grip strength. I was like, I cannot figure this out, Logan. Like, I need to practice. So two decks is amazing. I You know, something that's been interesting since our last conversation, and I think I bought this book probably within a year of moving here, uh, but it's The Spiritual Journey of Joseph Greenstein. And it's funny because I that had nothing to do with, like, I didn't buy it. I think I had seen it maybe in your blog show up. I don't remember exactly why I bought it, but I was totally blown away by it. Like, one of the most motivating books of, like, not only just a physical, but an entrepreneurial, like, a life journey. Um, like I, all I knew is a hey, mighty Adam, this guy like bites nails and bends horseshoes or something. <laughs> and then I read, I was like totally blown away. And could, would you mind just sharing a little bit about maybe an overview of how that book changed your life and how the mighty Adam, who he was inspired you and changed your life. If you want to go into a little bit of his story too, that's fine. Yeah, um, sure I know it's, it's a kind of a big question, but that's okay. Cause I think it's worth giving a little bit of an overview of him. I just think he's so underrated and that'd be great to get into his story.
0: Yeah, I mean, the average person doesn't know who the mighty Adam is. I probably read that book somewhere around 2004, 2005. I was at the time getting into body weight, exercising kettlebells, and really going from that scrawny week to the person that I was mm-hmm. to actually having some strength and athleticism. But reading this book was a pivotal moment in my life because, for whatever reason, just going through that, as I said, it's a very engaging story and amazing story. And the Mighty Adam, he was a a sick weekly kid that literally ran away to join the circus. The doctors were saying he was going to die. He went there and got tutored under a wrestler and a strongman by the name of Valenko, and became a strongman himself. And he was doing shows back in the vaudeville era um, and just, yeah, uh, amazing feats of strength that he engaged in. So for me, when I read that book, I don't know what it was specifically, Mm -hmm. but I was like, that's what I want to do. I, I want to become a strong man uh not the average thing to do out there but uh why not just go for it sounds like fun to me right i was really getting into training so it's like can i just apply it towards these specific things um so the mighty adam he in interned his main protege was a guy named slim the hammer mm-hmm. man who did uh, amazing feats of strength mostly with sledgehammers uh, but what a uh, ver- wide variety of other things and slim he had a protege a guy named dennis rogers who's still alive today, and he was training some other people that were wanting to be interested in strongmen because he was performing uh, quite a range of feats himself. He was uh, an arm wrestling champion, Uh, so I ended up training with him, and that kind of really uh, was the start of really getting into the strongman stuff. So then, uh, fast forward a bit, I ended up pulling a fire truck with my hair, uh, which is... uh, Pulling vehicles by the hair was something the Mighty Atom did, so mm-hmm. it's directly paying homage to him. Uh, he also stopped single-propeller planes from taking off by his hair. Almost killed him both times he yeah. did it. Uh, he didn't want to do it again after the first time, but kind of got roped into doing it mm-hmm. the second time. Um, I have no plans to do that one because I don't think my wife would like that. <laughs> at all, but yeah. Uh, it's yeah, just some fun stuff that uh, I engaged in as a result of learning about the Mighty Atom.
1: Yeah. One of the things that, and I, I want to keep this, um, you know, on one end, you have the biography of the man's life and on the other, I think that each in each, as you go throughout the book, there's just these really meaningful training pieces that I think even in like the 1920s or whenever his, you know, he was coming up, um, and even starting with the breath and the breathing is so applicable to today. Even when he was in the thirties, like in the depression, selling, you know, herbs and things and soaps. And you know, preaching against like basically how everyone ate too much processed food and stuff. It's just funny because we almost think this is new. Like to to, to oh man, all the food, the the quality of food, and what everyone's diet is horrible now. It's like well, back in the 30s, you know, he was saying the same thing, and I I found that kind of funny. Um, but it really blew me away, and I I, I feel like there's. Um, some really interesting things with that book landing in my hand. One of it is like the mighty Adam's son, like whatever copy I got was signed by the mighty Adam's son and slim the hammer man. So I was like, there's something about this, but the breathing piece is the first thing I wanted to cover because I've done a few shows on breathing. And I think when we, when we talk about breathing, so often it's um, it's only linked to like aerobic performance, perhaps it's like, all right, well, how can we breathe that can. And that's awesome. I think that's really helpful. But what I found um, it was around the same time I read the book. Um, it was like right in that range as I was starting to do actual breath work in the mornings just as part of my routine and I was not expecting this but I found that I was recovering from training much faster than I had thought like the the speed or the power workouts that in the past like in my 20s I would recover from very quickly I found in my mid-30s I was not and then Mm -hmm. I started doing this breath work and I found my recovery was very much enhanced I'm like this is just air like what why how is this happening? And then I was also, and this is not entirely related for direct recovery, but one of those things that really blew me away with the Adam is you mentioned he was a sickly kid and he met the Russian wrestler and mm-hmm. that it was like you you had shared a story of him where in the morning, I don't know how old um, Joseph, the mighty Adam was at this time, was 12, like but like he took him outside in the cold and had him start his morning with breathing exercises. Yep. And that like helped his, you know, he had like tuberculosis or asthma, it was asthmatic or something, you know, and that was like a huge thing step or first step and I think so often we look at training or health or everything and you know it's almost the breath is like a nice I don't know it's like a nice afterthought or a cherry on top or something you know and I just think that's so like for him that was his first piece and so anyways I'd like you to yeah if you want to go a little bit more into the link between um, the breath and health the breath and performance and recovery, um, even outside of, because I know I've had some more endurance-based conversations on the breath before and other podcasts, which are awesome, <laughs> but your take on some of those other pieces of it all.
0: Yeah. Uh, so, one of the first things to understand about breath is that it's the link between like the conscious and the unconscious, because you don't need to think about breathing. Your, your body's going to breathe on its own, which is great that mm-hmm. it does, right? <laughs> because mm-hmm. that would be, uh, that would take a lot of energy if you had to think about breathing all the time. Right. So not only is this something that is in both those areas, but using the breath consciously, you can then access and develop things within the body that otherwise you wouldn't be able to. Uh, So breath is a link to not just endurance, but a wide range of things. So you can breathe in various ways to increase your lung capacity. You can breathe in ways that will uh, get you into a relaxed state. You can breathe in ways that will get you in an amped up state and exhibit more strength. Uh, You can breathe to become more flexible. There are different ways of using the breath, a wide range of ways of using the breath that will allow you to do all these different things and perform better at them uh and as you said recovery too so it's it yes it's the air but you think of the system holistically so we the, the air is the thing that we need most more than like food and water right you can't survive very long uh without breath but you can go a bit of time especially without food and still a medium amount of time without water so the breath is uh changing our system in different ways some of the research that wim hof did and you know wim hof breathing is one of the like biggest forms of breathing that is out there now, but uh, activating the innate immune system, which was thought to be not within conscious control, but here using the uh, link of breathing, we're able to affect the immune system because it's not just about the air coming out and the uh, carbon dioxide coming out, but so much that happens within the body. So once again, a wide variety of different ways that you can use the breath and It is such a key starting point of health. Uh, The Mighty Adam started with deep breathing exercise. That was one of the first things I began with. Uh, You know, you you can definitely get all kinds of equipment and spend money on supplements, but are you working on Mm -hmm. this free foundational piece? You know, start with the breath. That's a good starting place uh, and continue to work with that over time, right? It's something that you may get away from for a while, but it's always good to come back to the breath and see the many different ways that it can be used.
1: Yeah it is interesting to think about yeah breath is free and you wonder if it if you could charge for it i mean obviously you can do courses and things like educational but you know the nature of breathing obviously free and you wonder if there was more of a- um possibly if there was more of a payment hierarchy behind it if it would be more you know like it would be well, a in,
0: place. in some polluted places like uh, over in china like people are actually importing air from their areas like, like <laughs> wow. we have bottled water now there is bottled air it's wow. not very common but it does exist so yes you can
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's uh i had read um the book um breath by james nestor which really <laughs> blew me away and one of the things as well, just going back to the, um, something that I found in the Mighty Adam book, um, I think it was something, I think this was something that was said in the book, but basically along with the breathing itself in the morning, like that energizing deep breathing, I think there's something, it, something I've just been thinking about lately is I think a lot of times we think about some of these events or some of these um, um, mechanisms in pure isolation as pure on their own complicated pieces versus looking at the whole complex system of the body and Something that was said in that book was, I believe that was that the Adam would often visualize along with the breathing. So it was mm-hmm. said like he visualized the oxygen, which he re- equated just to energy entering his body, strengthening his nerves and muscles. And that was taught to him uh, by Belenko. And uh, to me, I, it does seem like, you know, to think, okay, well, I got to make time and training for X, Y, Z. Like I got to do, I'm going to do my breath work. Then I'm going to do my visualization. Then I'm going to do the, And sometimes I think it's just hard to, to do everything but it's almost like something like if we look at breathing as a complex like it's a lot of things going into one thing it seems like the visualization is also something that just kind of goes with that and it just struck me that like if people wanted to start um, getting an introduction to an easy way to visualize uh, their results or whatever they're doing it seems like the breathing would be a great place for that i'm just curious if you've done anything or have any ideas or a thing to add to that yes.
0: Absolutely. So uh, I was just explaining how breath is something that can be done both consciously and unconsciously done. Visualization is another thing that is like that. We're always having visuals. A lot of people don't think they have visuals, mm-hmm. but uh, unless a person was like born blind, they're just not aware oftentimes of what is going on. And of course, there's the uh, other senses involved, but these are popping up, whether we're thinking about them or not, but we can also consciously do it. So linking the breath with the visualization mm-hmm. where you're consciously doing both is very powerful Uh, a simple example of deep breathing right so deep breathing means the air is going deep into your body a lot of people breathe shallow just up in the chest but really you want your diaphragm to be moving but with visualization we can breathe even deeper than that you can breathe all the way down to your toes or Mm -hmm. even beyond the toes breathing into the earth And this is gonna give you a different feel than just doing deep breathing into your diaphragm. So using the visualization along with that is going to aid in this case in like relaxation and feelings of groundedness and kind of expansion as well. So that's just one example of what we can do with it. But again, we said many different applications of breathing. So different visualizations that can go with these things in order to aid them as well.
1: Yeah, you you mentioned Logan uh, Wim Hof's uh, breathing. And yeah. it is interesting because the more people um, I, I've talked to in the breathwork world, obviously there's a lot, like Wim Hof is almost like just the beginning in some ways if you want to really get going. Um, but something I've also grown to appreciate, um, and this was really reinforced to me by a time with a former podcast guest, Aaron Cantor, just talking about the lowest barrier to entry, like the the, the value in having something that is so simple like just just breathe you know just breathe but then you can layer in those other things on top of it like the environment like wim hof's charisma being motivated like the visualizing and uh so for me uh the question i would ask you is what do you feel like from a breathing for alongside like the mighty adam if someone just wanted to do breath work in the morning where do i start how do i start this what's the where is a good place to get started and then how do i branch out uh what's some progressions that we could look at there
0: yeah so i'll mention a couple different things first is uh we want to work in a way that helps to establish normal healthy breathing patterns uh what does that look like that means deep into the body so we're using the the diaphragm um we are breathing through the nose a lot of people due to like poor nutrition and Mm -hmm. uh, how that can in fact change the structure of our skull and whatnot um do not necessarily have uh, a lot of uh, room to breathe through the nose but this is what we want so through the nose uh deep into the body at a somewhat slow pace you know not not super rapid um, so doing deep breathing exercises that built towards this so uh, like you were just explaining how the mighty atom would start uh specifically the exercise involved uh, holding buckets i believe it was mm, well, yeah. where, uh, added handfuls of sand but you can do this without any sort of buckets just bringing your arms overhead and then down so inhale up exhale down and just breathing deep into the body and by practicing deep breathing exercises such as this where you're going deep you breathe into the nose it's going to help your default breathing patterns to change and that is going to have effects on your energy level mm-hmm. on your recovery uh just aging benefits so the lung capacity and the various ways they measure that are correlated with less all-cause mortality. So if you breathe better, you die less. <laughs> this is this is in uh, various studies that are out there. Uh, so a, a specific aspect that I think is a good place to start is lung capacity. How long can you hold your breath? Right. Uh, this is seen in the, the Wim Hof. You're often doing a, uh, kind of a hyperventilating, not, not super much but uh, to some degree, you're doing that for 20 to 30 breaths and then you're holding for some amount of time. He likes to do it uh, with, on the exhale and then holding. Uh, that works great. You can also do it with an inhale, but start with where you're at. You know, it's progressive, in this case, breath training, but same as progressive strength training. You're starting with where you're at. Let's say you can hold your breath for 15 seconds. Okay, can we increase that to 20 seconds, 30 seconds? You know, Once you're getting to one to two minutes and anyone can get there with a bit of practice, then uh, you're going to be seeing some benefits from doing that. So, those are a couple places that I would advocate people start with.
1: Yeah, I like that what you mentioned too with the, the buckets um, because mm-hmm. something that I think when we think of breath work, we think of only like sitting there kind of like a med- you know, meditation or like just sitting in a chair or whatever, but it can be so much more than that. And even when I use like Indian clubs and I'll I'll be doing that kind of thing where I'm like just doing big giant circles and as the the Indian clubs are going over my head, try to get a big inhale. And it's almost funny, like sometimes the things we miss, you know, in the sense of it almost kind of makes you think of like, I don't know, like a Tai Chi or like a gym class here and do big arm circles. And we think of it as this like silly low level thing. But yeah, this is a great opportunity to expand your ribs and breathe. If you make it a complex thing where you breathe in and if you even add like a visualization on it, wow, like how powerful, you know, can this be to start the the training out? So well, I, one thing to think about,
0: all exercise is breathwork. Yes, right? yes. Uh, we, we're focused on the movements, but how much of the benefit is just going, like, if you go for a run, you're, you're deep breathing, mm-hmm. you're, you're forced to do so by the necessity of the exercise. So uh, th- that is one way to think about it. So yeah, any, any sort of movement, the breath being connected with that and using it in different ways, again, for strength, for endurance, uh, we can use it for these different things, but that is a big component of what is actually going on.
1: Yeah, I I completely agree. And I kind of wonder a little bit too with just with me, you know, as N of one with that example where I was, that really helped my recovery is (laughs) when I would go for a run around my neighborhood, I have like a two thirds mile loop that I'll warm up. I'll jog it and warm up sometimes and just kind of time it and try to run with the same effort. And I, it is funny because after doing breath work, I'll pay more attention to my breathing when I'm running. And I'm like, wow, my body outside of my conscious effort is breathing harder than I was in the morning. And it's like easier for my body to do this because there's something about when it's conscious and it's like, okay, breathe in. You really, ha- you know, there's, it really helps you to appreciate that aerobic power. And I mean, I, I think it's easy for people to talk about <clears throat> like, okay, well, if you want to be strong and fast, we'll, we'll only train speed and, and power, but there is aerobic capacity that recovers it. You know, and if you, it makes me think, well, if you didn't want to jog, or do something that was quote unquote slow or whatever, well, you could do breathing and like breath work and you can, you know, work your aerobic piece that way. So I I do wonder how much of that was related to um, just just the pure aerobic element as well. But um, then as you said too, like there is, I think about, well, how does it impact your breath for the rest of the day? What if the whole rest of the day, your exhale was longer and thereby maybe your cortisol was a little bit lower and you were a little more anabolic? You know, I don't know, like I'm sure there's a lot of things, but-
0: Yep, absolutely yeah, and there's fun things you can do with running for instance, is to uh run only at a pace where you can continue to breathe yeah. at your nose uh and you can even apply this to sprints that, that can be very tricky right but uh with practice at it then you there is a point where you can get like you can run as fast of a sprint nose breathing as you could uh typically mouth breathing so there are fun ways to play for it and that uh really can up that uh, lung capacity. And the, an interesting thing about the nose breathing is just s- somehow that uh, it's connected into a certain system in the body that breathing through the nose will help support nitric oxide, which is important for endurance. Uh, mouth breathing does not do that. Hmm. So yeah, interesting little aspects like that that exist out there.
1: That's a, You said the nose breathing is NO2. Could you actually go into that just a little bit? Because I only ask because I'm... um. I'm just curious because like the nose, people talk about nose breathing, only marathon mm-hmm. running or I do find it interesting when you run and nose breathe and you get into a rhythm of it, like it, you start mm-hmm. to, it, it's just like, man, you you can almost feel better than a mouth breathing in so many cases. And so I was,
0: and I was yeah. I'm and you can that. also do like just in through the nose and out through the mouth. Yeah. That, that could be a little bit easier where you're still getting that benefit. I'm forgetting the specific details on how exactly that works. But yeah, yeah if you look up nose breathing, nitric oxide yeah. you should be able to find some details, some of the science behind it.
1: Yeah, for sure. Yeah, that's something that in terms of like just distance running and as I've gone, gotten more into the world of instructing distance running, which is a very different world than like sprint power and those things. It's just pure efficiency and the aerobic and the rhythm of the aerobic and playing with the nose breathing and step rhythms is very like that. I, I couldn't just go run and just run. <laughs> I have to, you, know, you have to have something to do like, all right, make breathe up. through the nose, find a rhythm, let's do this, you know? And it just, it does make it more interesting too, and more rhythmic. So um, for people who, Logan, you've mentioned this, I believe it was uh, either in a blog article or your book on breathing, but you mentioned a little bit about uh, belly versus tidal breathing. And I think a lot of people would think, but well, you know, outside of even the nose and mouth distinction, a lot of people would think, oh, well, I'm just supposed to breathe through my belly. Um or, or just breathe. Uh can you talk about like the nature of how just different parts of the body expand in the course of uh, the breathing?
0: Yeah, so this the concept of tidal breathing was something got from Maxic. He was a guy back like contemporary of the the mighty Adam, and he was uh first and foremost like a proponent of muscle control. That's the being able to flex and relax mm-hmm. the individual muscles. Um and at like a low body weight, this guy was, you know. Pressing just heavy weights. I don't remember specific figures, but he was a phenomenal athlete, and he attributed it mostly to the the art of muscle control. Of course, he did, and was working with the weights to some degree as well. Um, but the concept. So, when you hear the word belly breathing, what a lot of people do is they'll they'll breathe into the belly, but they're consciously pushing their belly out. Um, and you shouldn't have to consciously push your belly out. Just in the movement of the diaphragm. Uh, the belly will be coming out to some degree. However, we don't just want the extension of the belly. If you're really breathing into your diaphragm, you should feel an expansion all around. That means uh, uh, across the ribs, including into the back. So uh, you can just place your hands on your back and your belly, breathe deeply, And notice if you just feel it coming into mm-hmm. the belly versus coming into the other areas of there. So you're getting more of an expansion and that's allowing your diaphragm to expand even more and move the organs, uh, even adjusting the ribs in doing that. So this is what I'm called full tidal breathing and something that's just coming up and I'll mention it now. Uh, one of the benefits of deep breathing is it acts as a massage to your organs. It acts as movement in the body. So it moves lymph and uh tons of our lymph tissue is in the gut um so one of the best exercises is the abdominal vacuum this is something that Mm Maxic also talked about uh this involves pulling you breathe out you exhale completely then you pull up your diaphragm um which takes some muscle control to be able to do most people are not in touch with their diaphragm but there's some uh, certain body positions that will help you to do that but you pull it up and it acts as a vacuum and sucks up all the organs Mm -hmm. with uh, the diaphragm, so it's again acting more as a massage on the organs, moving the limb. Uh, this can help with constipation, going to the bathroom as well. So what, it's one of my favorite breathing exercises. It, it's not the same as others in that it helps with uh, lung capacity or it helps with these other other aspects. But here, it's directly helping uh, just with the the health of the organs involved. Uh, so that's a great exercise as well.
1: On the level of supplements lost empire herbs has been my go-to for the last five years as someone who's constantly observing nature in motion to help me understand movement better so too do i draw from nature in my supplementation regime if you want to check out some of my favorite supplements for energy strength and enhancing the total impact of your training regimen uh, things such as shilyajit which has been well recommended by many strength coaches the phoenix formula which was my original lost empire Herbs supplement that really made me a believer in the Power of Herbalism, things like pine pollen, mushroom tinctures, and more, you can head to lostempireherbs.com slash justfly. There you can use the code JOEL15, that's J-O-E-L-1-5 for 15% off your order. Definitely check out Lost Empire Herbs. They're an awesome company and will really help that total aspect of your performance training process. Yeah, the organ thing is interesting because I've heard different health practitioners talk about every time you breathe well, your organs get a massage. But sometimes I always think, well, is that just something people say and then I saw an actual visual. It's like here's the inside, like the lungs. And I think it was actually shown to demonstrate maybe some asymmetries between the lungs, but it, it was you could just see how much the diaphragm goes up and down and you get this literal visual of this these the motion on the organs and that viscera. And I'd say, Yeah, I think we you know it once you see that you really don't see it uh, the same you know what i'm saying like it's just it's so cool i and then you think well what if i'm not getting deep breaths you know and everything is more stagnant in that cavity like that can't be like ideal for you know you know vitality and, and all those things
0: yeah, if you just look like chinese medicine or other ancient systems uh the breath is considered a big part of qi, which is mm-hmm. our energy of course we get it from food and other sources but the breath is like the main component of that that's the inflow of and outflow of energy all the time so do you want your energy just going into 10% of your lungs or into 100% of your lungs uh and this will then contribute to your overall energy and vitality as well
1: yeah that was the thing that i was kind of thinking of i mean obviously you know we like things that we can put numbers on right like but it's, so it's hard to describe that but i was i was thinking in my own experience like doing that breath work and feeling more recovered and better if you know how much How much do all these have to do with it, right? Like the aerobic piece, the you know the energy flow, you know the Tai Chi type piece, the hopefully I'm breathing better throughout the day type piece, the you know organs getting some motion, you know who knows exactly, but I I know it was a good thing. I um with the expansion too, what is interesting, and I don't know if this was the atom, I just know I started to value this more in thinking about it, and I I, I'm sure it was the book that helped me to appreciate it more. But a common strongman feat, maybe you've done this, was like the breaking a chest with or chain with your chest, like expanding mm-hmm. the chest and breaking things. Yeah. And I, I think that goes with what you're saying with like the tidal breathing, like being able to get air and expansion into more cavities or, or just the the, rub, the the rubs, the ribs and the thorax and everything there. I mean, even outside of Strongman, I, I have a lot of podcasts where it's talked about the compression expansion of pressure chambers in the body, how important the ribs are to move and how that fits with how the spine moves. So, it then I go and I see these strongmen breaking chains with rib expansion. I was like, oh, that's cool. You know, that's almost like a thing. If that was happening now, I think we'd point it out all the time. <laughs> but it's just something that happened like 100 years ago. So, maybe we don't mention it as much.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I haven't actually done that feat of strength. Um, just haven't for some reason. But uh, that is, so, it, it's it's called chest expansion to do it. And it involves a chest, but uh, it's really lung expansion yeah. is the primary driver of that. It involves eight. Uh, a putting of the belt with the chain uh, on the chest while uh, exhaled and really collapsing the chest down. And then as you're expanding and breathing in and moving the air up, you're also doing uh, muscle control. once Again, so flexing the lats, making those mm-hmm. wider uh, in order to exert enough pressure to do this. So, yeah, that would be one example of uh, a breath feat of strength. Another one is uh, the blowing up of a hot water oh, bottle yeah. until it explodes. Again, not one I have tried, but I've considered doing that at times. uh, This one can be dangerous. If you actually let the air back into you, it could kill you, uh, rupturing your lungs. So, definitely something you'd want to be careful about if you were to engage in it. But that's just some of the capacity that can uh, be built with this, uh, with breathing in the lungs.
1: Yeah. You know, having kids, I think about when they ask me to blow up a balloon, it probably seems so impressive to them with like the adult blowing up like a big balloon that they can't, you know, but like, I feel like that'd be a huge party hit, like <laughs> blowing up like a oh, hot water, you know, bottle or yeah. whatever. <laughs> um, with, uh, so with uh, the Wim Hof idea, like just basically something that's like so basic. Um, If you had people who are interested in, yeah, like, hey, I just want to do a morning breath breath practice or a pre-training breath practice, like what's the most basic place to start and things to consider with that um just ideas there for about
0: for uh, one of the exercises that i really love is box breathing um this is to do an inhale hold exhale hold of the same length of time typically you start with a four count so inhaling to a four count holding for a four count exhaling for a four count then exhale holding for a four count um then from this this is a starter, but most people just take that and they they end there. Mm-hmm. And this can be really good for relaxing anytime you need to do this. Uh, but we can then take this in different directions. Uh we can just extend the amount of time. So do five seconds, do six seconds, build up 10, 12 seconds, see how long you can go with it. And this is gonna not be so relaxing anymore mm-hmm. when you're holding it like oh, this, yeah. but it's gonna be working for its lung capacity. And I'd like to do it as a a box breathing ladder, like go from four Mm -hmm. to five to six, so on, as far as you can go. Um, that, that would be one way of going with it, but an interesting thing, um, and I have a course called outside the box breathing, where I uh, really cover this stuff in more detail. We can play with it in different ways. So, uh, one way I played with it is combining the abdominal vacuum that I just talked about with the, uh, box breathing. So on your exhale hold, instead of just holding, you're doing the vacuum. So you're combining these two exercises in there. We can also change the lengths of the legs to be different. So a shorter inhale, longer hold, a super long exhale. We can play with it in all these different ways that are going to achieve different effects. Uh, If you look at yoga and their uh, breath training practices, they they basically do this in all sorts of different ways, Um, you know, in some cases, like, doing 32-second holds and whatnot, you can make it a a very much a lung capacity thing where you're really slowing down the breath um, and reaping the benefits from doing so. Uh, So this would be a relatively simple practice. I have lots of advanced uh, variations of it right there, but just some of the the basics, getting started with that. That's a real simple one to begin with.
1: Yeah, nice. Yeah, one of my favorite morning breathwork practices is just like rhythmic breathing, but then at the end of like 25 or 30 breaths, it's like two five-five-five box breaths and then a hold Mm -hmm. and then you just keep repeating. That's like one of my staple favorites. I love it. And, um, you know, you were talking about with the strongman and the breathing or like, you know, (laughs) I wouldn't necessarily, I think people for athletic performance aren't going to start like blown up hot water bottles or anything like that i don't i don't think that's necessarily in the ballpark unless you know you want a party trick at some point but i am interested with like like just pressurization and how that might fit with something like a deadlift or even like a sprint acceleration or i remember when uh when i was a cal one of the guys who had the highest um like this guy was like a like a human frog i mean his standing vertical jump on this the just jump mat which does inflate your jump was like over 40 inches and when I would video him jumping his, you could just see the pressure, even like up into his face, like just very innate pressurization. And Mm -hmm. yeah, I think there's different ways to take that. And, you know, I'm not sure how much you can train like the pressurization of the face per se, but even just like to have lung pressure ability, like expansion and the ability to have that like strong pressure. Do you feel like uh, maybe just like that and the link between like like being strong, like a squat or a deadlift, like do you, Mm -hmm. have you found any interesting things there with uh, those correlations?
0: Mm-hmm. Uh so just if you look at what people naturally do when they are exerting themselves with where strength is the issue is it's very common to hold the breath mm-hmm. uh, so why would people do this uh, it's because by holding the breath you are creating stability you are creating a container not having the flow of air come out or in so this helps with pressure especially across like the abdominals where uh, you know, the lungs are involved in, and then that can radiate out to however you're exerting that strength, whether it's the hands, legs, whatever. Um, so this is a very common way of doing it. However, this is kind of the first step. Uh, something that actually works a little bit better is to do a pressurized exhale. Now I first learned this with Pavel Tatsulin and the RKC, the kettlebells yeah. and whatnot, uh, that use it with any sort of grinding movement is to uh, breathe in and then while you're exerting, let's say I'm doing a press here, So uh, with pressurizing the exhale, you're allowing some air to escape, but it's actually, uh, it's more pressure throughout your system than if you were simply holding the breath. Um, So Mm. this is a very simple exercise, a breathing method that can be applied to any sort of strength exercise. Uh, Of course, it has to be, um, you know, short term, right? Mm. So if you're holding a handstand, Uh, You wouldn't want to do this. Uh, A lot of people unconsciously will hold their breath while doing a handstand. But if you're building up to 30 seconds, whatever, you're not going to be holding your breath. You're not going to be pressurized exhale. In in this case, for something longer, I like to do what's called breathing behind the shield. So being able to keep the pressure throughout the the body, but being able to breathe so to hear, it's going to be much more of a shallow breath Mm -hmm. because you become more relaxed if you go into a, a deeper breath. Uh, so, again, it, it's not like you always want a deep breath. It really depends on the application, what you're going for. So, these are a few of the techniques that help specifically with strength performance.
1: Yeah, interesting. Yeah, so that's a, like a long handstand. send. I, I've thought about that in the sense of like a long like lunge hold or something. I know a lot of podcasts or guests I've had, and I use this myself, will do, uh, this was based off the work of Jay Schrader, where it's like four seconds in, eight seconds out for those long extended holds or something mm-hmm. like that. But then I was just thinking, based off what you said, if it gets, if you really like on the four, or I guess if it was too much like expansion, and contraction, then that could also be maybe more energy costly versus if you really had to hang on, like you could make it a little more shallow, basically. Like if you're it really same depends work.
0: on how much pressure is uh, involved. So let's say you're like carrying a rock one. When- If you're carrying it up here then it's going to be pressure on your system Mm -hmm. but you're going to need if it's a heavy rock for you you're going to need a lot of stability so uh, in this case you have less room for breathing because you don't want to lose that stability If you're doing something like a lunge with a moderate weight then you can definitely relax a bit more into the movement and that may be the thing that helps to uh allow you to go longer because you don't actually want to be over pressurized or you want to have some but not too much that it kind of burns you out in doing it. So again, application is everything, and different types mm-hmm. of breathing for all sorts of different applications.
1: Yeah, yeah. It just seems like the more I, I have these discussions and learn from people about the breathing, I, I I had a good training session. This was years ago with Mike Salemi, who worked with Paul Check, and like the whole warm up, everything. Like it was an in, uh, there was an in breath to a certain part and out breath to a certain part. And I'm like after doing that, I'm like, why don't I do this more often? And then I go home and forget about it. <laughs> it's just, it's right. just
0: such that- We, we learn so much stuff. It's hard to keep track of it all.
1: <laughs> yeah. Oh, for sure. Um, so yeah, shifting gears just a little, um, or I guess maybe uh, yeah, a little bit of a shift over into uh, some of the things. And this was actually the original like impetus. I was like, I got to talk to Logan about this. He wrote a really uh, great article on something we've talked about already on the podcast. You've talked to us about neuro-linguistic programming, and it was just really interesting because in the spiritual journey of Joseph Greenstein with, he was like bending horseshoes or doing or, or manipulating metal. There was like a mental process behind it. And it, it is just so interesting, right? Because I think the, like, like you've said, everyone says the mental side is so important, but then no one really, you know, maybe we do <laughs> like, a little bit, but not really much. We don't do much with it, yeah. but that of all the things you could possibly do, it seems like strong man is the thing that, it's just going to be a part of it. Like it, you can't not like, especially when like those little point pressure things like bending a horseshoe. And so tell me a little bit about, well, first some of the things that he did that were really amazing in that regards, but then his process and how, and what we could take from that, from whatever we do, be it, be it lifting or other athletic um, endeavors or feats of strength. Uh, tell me a little bit about the link between uh, Joseph Greenstein and then the neuro programming part.
0: Um, so, it was, it was very interesting, I was telling you this a little bit before we jumped on the, the call here, was that I, I read the, the book early on, and it inspired me all these things, and I didn't come back to the book for many years. Right. Then I read it, and it's like, whoa, I'm doing like everything that's in this book in different ways, mm-hmm. from the, the herbs and healthy living stuff to the the mental training. Uh, so there are a couple places in the book where it goes pretty deep on the, the mental processes. One of them is uh, the example of Mighty Adam. During one of his shows, he brings a man on the stage, hypnotizes that person. That person is then able to bend a nail. Mm-hmm. Uh, he gets him out of hypnosis, and the guy can't do it again, right? So pretty clear example of mental training. And in another area of the book, it really kind of goes deep into the thought process, the internal dialogue of uh, the Mighty Adam. Uh, on my website, the thelegendarystrength.com, I have articles where I break this down. Uh, in a lot more detail uh, from my lens of looking at this stuff through like neuro-linguistic programming. So, you know, take those phrases of the internal dialogue and how is this being said and uh, what's the purpose of that? Um, So, yeah, it is, again, specific processes that get towards belief and using visualization, using uh, different techniques that are going to allow you to summon forth more of that power. Uh, you're right in saying that's something like feats of strength it's very applicable to do visualization but truthfully it applies to all Mm -hmm. sorts of different exercise and movement i mean you look at any sort of sport people are talking about mental training even if they don't have these like specific processes so uh there's yeah some good information on the website uh on there but if you can figure out how you can do something well, and then really amp that up by looking at, you know, what are you visualizing? Of course, how you're breathing, uh, what what you're saying to yourself, how you're saying to it mm-hmm. to yourself, what are the feelings within your body, and can those be enhanced? These are different qualities that can really be played with, and then applied to the task at hand.
1: Yeah, I think one of the phrases I don't have it written in front of me, and even before this conversation, I I usually have all these books on training on my bookshelf. That book is one that kind of travels between my training bookshelf and my normal literature bookshelf. But it was something to the tune of when he would go to bend a nail or piece of metal, it would be something like he talking like he had control over that object, like I am man. I have it pulled up right here. Yeah, Uh, if you can read it, that'd be awesome.
0: I am possessed of the power. You are metal without will. My will is superior to you the power will overcome you. You will bend, you will break. That's just one example in there.
1: Yeah. I saw that was really interesting, you know, because I think, yeah, again, I just think on the outside, we just see someone bending a nail, which is to me, it's interesting because I think a lot of things that you think about what human beings are wired for all the time. We do cool stuff with jumps and sprints and and running that we've done, you know, like humans have done for a very long time versus bending nails is almost something that it's like kind of encapsulating the fullness of what our mind and body can do. That's outside of probably a typical, (laughs) what is a typical ask of a person or an athlete. So, it almost seems like on some level, it might take a little extra. Um, In the same way, almost I feel like um, when I do breath work in the morning, it's a little more mental to get it really going versus if I just go for a run, it's automatic. Like it's Mm -hmm. all, it's just going because that's what it does. But it's like, Bending a nail is not something that you just do, <laughs> and you have to almost break through all these inhibitors to do it. I mean, and there's even tissue strength involved. It makes me think about that guy that he uh, used the mental tricks on to get in, in hypnosis to be able to bend that nail. I wonder if that guy woke up the next day is like, man, my hands are kind of feel bruised or something, you know, from from something like that. So it it does make me think about just the art of breaking through regulators, you know, mm-hmm. and. And that to me seems like the art of what he could do there. And then even I, we haven't talked about Slim the Hammerman yet, but with Slim, I guess he like fractured the with the lever uh, where you basically like have your the sledgehammer arms length. Describe for everyone listening here. Um, you you have a sledgehammer arms length, and you tip it back, and like you tap yourself in the head or whatever, and then and no. yeah, and he like fr- he fractured his like scaphoid or wrist muscles like twenty some times doing that. And you just think that makes me think about okay clearly there was a lot of regulators that were saying no don't do this <laughs> bad idea <laughs> and so that mental thing that has to like break the regulators you know is is so interesting in taking the body to its limit and you know i think it's a little bit different with sprinting and jumping but there's also pieces of that kink can- that do go into to everything so um it's an interesting perspective on thinking of of that skill and, and breaking through you know the visualization that breaks through those typical regulators
0: yeah yeah, I think Slim and the Hemorring called him the, the governor, being able to like turn off the governor. Uh and obviously you do need to do this carefully. So most of us have heard stories of like little old ladies who have their child or yeah. grandchild trapped under a car and they pick up the car, or something like that. Uh and there are real cases of this. Uh what's not often known is those people will be like really sore or mm-hmm. uh injured the, the the following day uh from doing such a thing because We do have uh, governors within our body that stop us from being able to apply all of our power. Another example I've heard is uh, sometimes when people are struck by lightning, it will cause force through the muscles that can break the bones Hmm. Um, because, yeah, just that that amount of force can go through. Um, So, none of us are able to apply actual 100% of our power because of such things. So, when you have tools like hypnosis, like visualization, Uh, how you talk to yourself. Mm. These are ways that allow you to access more power than you otherwise would have to the point of, yeah, you can push yourself into uh, really hurting yourself. Um, One of the strong men that I was learning from, um, I won't say his name because he didn't want this out there Mm -hmm. so much, but uh, really strong at bending nails. Um, And uh, he was going with this one where in the force through he would black out and he did yes. this several times just that much uh, power exerting through it that it would like drop into his knees then he comes through and hit it again so to be able to push yourself that hard <laughs> against something is not something the average person would want to do and uh certainly there could be some negative consequences of doing such but uh really if you are looking to unlock performance wouldn't you like to have that ability to at least be able to get close to that. So yeah, there's definitely a variety of tools that will help you to get there. And again, we're about breath as well as uh, these mental tools and they, they really go hand in hand together. Uh, in essence, they kind of support each other to both be better.
1: Yeah, and in, in you saying that, it I can't help but think about when we talk about strength and it is kind of interesting, at least in the world of athletic performance as I've gone through it over the years, is it's become much more about, and I think rightly so, ultimately about like the high velocity, chaotic, adapting to chaos, adapting to things that are happening on the field at velocity, and mm-hmm. uh, strength training, because uh, strength training and wonder at max training for athletes has been uh, overblown in many cases throughout the years, and other things haven't been considered as much. But at the same time, I think when we start to remove something, sometimes we forget some of the other pieces of it. And to me, it's as you talk about, it's like that like inner journey, like to me, it's like the, the, the manipulation of small objects or things that require so much of you to overblow regulators that mm-hmm. seems to go hand in hand with the inner journey and personal discipline and even like personal growth. Um, I'm curious if you have any thoughts on that, but I, I think that that's something that maybe we don't always consider. It's almost like that's that other side of strength of discipline of, of growth there. So curious what your take on that is, especially in light of like the atom and those types of things.
0: Yeah. I mean, the, there's so many quotes saying like 90% of the game is mental and this applying to every sport. And so what is mental? It's, it's that internal component, that internal journey. Again, it's, uh, easier to focus on the external because, you know, that's what, that's what our culture is in this world is to focus on what is outside of ourselves. And of course there's, uh, proper reason to do that. However, to neglect the, the internal stuff, is ultimately going to hold you back. If 90% of the game is mental, let's say it's 50-50, if just mm-hmm. neglecting that is going to hold you back. So yeah, you want to be able to go inside and a variety of tools that allow you to do this that is going to help you to perform better. Uh, I'll just give another example. I mean, who hasn't seen this where um, you see something done by someone else or you're around people that can do something that just up levels your belief in the possibility mm-hmm. of it and that you can do it too so I remember early in my career like training with a friend and he'd he'd bend a nail that I didn't think was like possible that we were even close to doing, but oh he did it, then I must be able to do it. And then a short time later, I can do it. The Roger Bannister with a four minute mile yeah. is a classic example of this. So again, what what is this? This is belief in the possibility of something being done, uh belief in the doability. And that's an internal thing that is going on. Nothing changes in the external world. Nothing changes uh, ex- uh, externally about your physical body, but the the psychological process within is what
1: changed. Mm. Yeah, that, that ties into something I was going to mention with, it was kind of like the secret of the Adam's strength. And, and I, it was when he was having a conversation with Slim the Hammer Man. And it is kind of funny, we think about, we look at someone who's... Com- completing like either just massive feats of strength, some crazy physical ability. And we're like, what's the, how did you do it? And we expect like an intellectual answer. And the interesting thing to me was it was almost like a koan that, that the Adam had because Slim always tried to figure out what his secret was. And I don't think he would, I would like never tell him. (laughs) And, but there's something that's like, as I've gotten older, I understand. I, I get that more because I think when we're young, well, how did you do that? Give me three steps to do that but those three things to do that totally kind of bypasses the inner journey that like inner growth and development that actually you end up realizing at the end and to me it seemed that there was something about um when when he finally communicated what the secret was it was something to do like that the Adam would die before he failed like that 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 was the strength that was required that i will die before i fail at this activity so i i was curious how that have um, any thoughts on that or what that means in context of physical feats to you
0: right well so that that goes to the the governor or the regulator if if you actually can believe you will die before you do this you're able to shut off those survival Mm -hmm. things that are trying to stop you from getting hurt that will allow you to unleash far more power than you otherwise would be capable of but to get there, you'd have to honestly <laughs> believe it. <right? laughs> yeah. It has to become a life or death situation to do such a thing. Um, I, I can't say I've, I've truly explored that too much, but uh, I'll give an example. When I was out in Ohio many years ago and I was pulling a fire truck by my hair, um, the first time I did it, like it had sat there overnight, or maybe it was in just a tiny dip, I could not get it moving. Like I, I struggled um it took like four big guys to like push it (laughs) and move it a little bit we just Mm -hmm. like reset it and i was just like you know i flew across the country to come here i I absolutely have to do this thing like Mm -hmm. i put myself in a state where um i I don't know if i was thinking about death but i definitely was like there's no chance i'm not gonna do this so then after i got reset i was able to pull that vehicle eight thousand eight hundred pounds by my hair um so yeah, that's just a short example of that just tremendous belief in yourself that there's no way this is not going to happen. Then this allows you to unleash power more than you might otherwise have if we just think in terms of energy, right? So uh, we have that chi flowing through us, through the breath, uh, just through the electrical activity of the nervous system. You know, there, there's probably stores of this in some way in the body. We don't know how the human body works in entirety, mm-hmm. right? We always focus on the physical. Well, you know, many people don't even believe energy exists. Mm-hmm. But through these things, through the psychological, we can open up these reserves that allow us to tap much deeper into our ability and allow uh, amazing things to happen.
1: Yeah. Yeah. With the life and death too, it's, it's kind of interesting. I've heard that um, Augie Garrido was like an absolute legend baseball coach. I think he was at Texas for decades. I believe it was Texas. And like, there's a uh, there's a video of him like in the locker room, just ripping his team's ass, like so like fiery, but, but it was like out of love too. Cause like, it was like, there was this locker room speech where he comes in after they lost to a or something and just rips into them. But then leaves and the team went like undefeated the rest of the year but so it wasn't just like uh it wasn't just like oh i'm mad and i'm gonna yell at you guys it was like he loved the and he's he has said he's like basically like this is life and death to me (laughs) and i've found there's he's not the only coach i've heard who said that and i and i've thought to myself okay like balance you know kind of like the zen thing like stoicism right like not like the good and the bad and not being too like (laughs) staying balanced but at the same time there's also something to people who that is so much so meaningful to them so utterly meaningful to them and what that can drive so you know mm-hmm. something that's definitely brought some thoughts up on my end and then you know, think about the strength piece as well and it does think i guess i think too though like along the lines of just strength and adaptation there's like the easy strength kind of idea where you actually don't get into that state because then you can train the next day and be okay and adapt versus mm-hmm. like this if i don't like do this you know this is life or death to me and it maybe it seems like maybe it's more sustainable to do those things with small like you know smaller manipulations because the the joseph greenstein the adam is doing like a bunch of shows a day too you know he was sustaining all these these feats so you know, there's also something that's interesting to be said with that but um yeah you have, do you have anything like you with your training programs and how you write things out do you have any yeah. thoughts on like managing the mental day-to-day to be able to train well the next day But right. yet. Also, having that fire and intensity.
0: Yeah, I would say overall, my training is more towards the easy approach. Mm. Um, I don't know, maybe I'm lazy or something. <laughs> but uh, just uh, overall, I found that's a bit better as far as like keeping healthy, not hurting yourself. And there's a time and a place. Yeah, you be willing to put it all on the line. Um, I, I don't think this is an either or thing, but can you have both and not not at the same time, right? but uh can you get the these different methods there are benefits and drawbacks to each one of them right, right. so can we mix and match in order to be able to kind of maximize the benefits while uh, uh not necessarily eliminating but downplaying the the drawbacks that come with them so this could look like doing easier stuff i mean when the mighty adam he wasn't willing to die over everything because he didn't yeah. need to yeah, like yeah, the right. strength is there to bend the average horseshoe or nail that was involved, uh, but willing to die when he was really pushing the limits of something, that's where it's going to come into play. So how often do you do that? You don't necessarily need to do that all all the time, right? You do that once in a while, and that's going to uh, allow for the mental toughness, allow for that summoning forth of energies, that sort of thing that is going to stay with you to some degree too, because once you've accomplished some things like this, you have that ability to summon that forth again, you know, we all go through dips or other things that may knock, up, knock us off our game at some point, but, uh, you can, you can really access that and, uh, at, for the most part, keep things relatively easy.
1: Yeah. It, that reminds me a little bit about, um, I think it was Jordan Peterson who said something about like being a monster, but being able to control that, like knowing okay. that it's there, but you also have the control. Uh, something to that tune. And it, it reminds me of and, and I would agree with you, like I I'm definitely like an easy strength type mentality in most of my training. I'm always trying because I realize if I if I just go and yeah max out on whatever I'm doing or you know push the lever down all the time, it's hard to recover from that. It's hard to be as consistent pushing forward. But what's interesting is and, and I've seen a lot of athletes who have done well who also have that mentality. But I've also seen athletes who have overachieved who have the mentality of they would die before they didn't lift like the same amount of weight they did the last week like and you actually do have to hold them back but they're still pushing harder than everyone else even be, even though you held them back and there was one individual like that who's a swimmer who ended up he was probably the most overachieving athlete I've ever worked with in terms of his stature probably his natural abilities and what he did and he was a guy who he would he would die before he would you know like that was his mentality and I and it was we I always had to hold him back in the weight room and his coaches would Like, I think they intentionally like put him in different groups to fit with his mentality, like in the water training, and then they had to rest him way longer at the end of the year because of all that. But when he did go through all that and, you know, and you're managing that mentality, the results were like firework. I mean, it was unbelievable. And so... I think that yeah there's i'm sure there's just oh yeah all sorts of personalities but you know how you manage
0: yeah yeah, you have to look at yeah what is your personality and that's going to sway towards one or other route definitely for sure so that's that's all part of the attitude and mental game and uh then can you play to your strengths uh but then also there's time to show up your weaknesses as well so again (laughs) depends on the application depends on the person depends on what you're going for all sorts of things
1: yeah with that in mind logan what um and I think I've, I may have pulled this from an article you've written, but mental toughness, you know, we, we talk about mental toughness, context, you know, it's, it's being tough in one context versus another, you know, just cause I could, you know, run a, if I ran a 5k till I drop, but what does that mean for another part of my life? Things like that. Um, so what, with, uh, just physical training in mind, um, even in respect to life, what, what does mental toughness mean to you?
0: So mental toughness is that ability to override essentially like safety signals from your body. Um, And again, as a time and a place, Mm -hmm. if you want to bend a super heavy nail, you know, being able to do that to some Mm -hmm. degree, uh, pain tolerance involved, for example, is quite useful. Uh, The dark side of mental toughness is you're overriding the safety signals Mm -hmm. of your body. Yeah. Uh, And that can lead to injury, that can lead to burnout, uh, something that goes along with this when you're applying it more to life, not just the gym is oftentimes with mental toughness it's mind overriding the body overriding the emotions as well which can involve suppression and repression mm-hmm. just the shutting down of uh, natural human abilities which over time can uh, lead to not being able to access your emotions uh, having you know if you just shut down your anger all the time it's going to mm-hmm. come out sideways or in explosive ways that you don't have control over uh, so there are negatives to mental toughness Um, again, I, I think we can definitely train it and use it in certain places. And absolutely, uh, in general, like people having more mental toughness is good and be aware of the dark side of it and make sure that it's not overriding so much else in life.
1: Gotcha. Yeah, it makes, it makes sense. And it seems like you could apply that, you know, whatever context you were in, there's probably specific nuances of, of cutting through those safeties that might fit with something like you talk about Navy SEAL mental toughness versus. The mental toughness to of being in a sport, you know, and just or versus strongman in different situations. I'm right. sure there's it, different...
0: a short situation or are we talking like long term things yeah. that really changes how how you approach it and whatnot. Yeah, it's a it's a very complex topic. And uh because Western society it really likes to focus on the mind and thinking uh to the detriment of other things, but mm-hmm. really the the emotions and emotional toughness, which again, can involve repression or uh, more healthy ways of just working with those and even channeling the emotions in effective ways. Uh, So yeah, it's a a field that is rife for exploration.
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, So before I I had just a couple last questions to ask you. Uh, And one actually was not something I had written down, but I had read one of your emails and I was thinking about this in light of, um and you just mentioned it like the emotions that come out that you could like manage deal with through physical training like for example you, like lifting weights or even sprinting things that are explosive can be a form of anger management <laughs> tell, tell me a little bit about that I, I that really intrigues me
0: yeah so um everything i was just saying comes from personal experience that i like so many men in our culture uh was not taught emotional intelligence my Mm -hmm. parents didn't really do emotions as a kid i could be happy or in shame essentially which is not not a really good way to go so i didn't have any sort of major traumas in childhood except that you know i was like a sensitive kid and didn't have emotion involved Mm -hmm. so that was a lifelong trauma involved in in doing this uh i i suppressed my emotions i they were not okay so i i hit them for myself i denied that ability um, so as I was going through some of the traumatic moments in my life and uh, reaching burnout, really coming to have a healthy relationship with anger took, took some work. And by no means have I solved this process. It's one of those things you come around to multiple times. Uh, but I, I needed a channel for the old stuck, like repressed anger that was within my system and many ways of doing this. And obviously, uh, many forms of working out can really help with this. Uh, But at the time, I I started doing angry hill sprints. (laughs) So what I would do is just kind of of visualizing using breath, uh, the different tools we talked about, get myself in an angry state and use that as fuel to drive every step faster. Um, And repeat this a couple different times. Then I also started doing fearful hill sprints. Mm -hmm. Uh, to access a different emotion in doing that Mm. and using this as a channel i was able to kind of clean out some of the old stuck anger and be able to use it more properly Uh, anger a lot of people think of this as a negative emotion it's mean and all this stuff and absolutely it can be however anger is the thing that uh drives us towards change or enforces a boundary that has been crossed so, it's a very powerful emotion. It's a very powerful motivating force, and you want to have a healthy relationship to it. Um, there's many other ways of working with anger, of course, uh, but uh, yeah, training, especially in some explosive way, is one of my favorites.
1: Yeah, I, it is kind of interesting. I think people probably go to the gym and they like lifting and getting stronger, for example, mm-hmm. but I don't think they really think about some of the emotions that might you know, be being processed a little bit in the sense of kind of using... I mean, we just think about it as like an energetic release or I've seen a
0: video. People do use words like blowing off steam, right? Yeah. The, the, the heat of anger. So it, it certainly has been used that for over the years. So for the most part of my training, I do it in more of like a Zen way. I wasn't really accessing oh, yeah. anger, um, but some people do that. Other people do not. Uh, again, it, it's not a right way to do it, but uh, find what works for you and uh, at different times different things may be
1: important yeah yeah just re- kind of struck a chord with me because i i was for some like i remember if there was like a speed bag like i loved hitting the speed bag boxing all that stuff and in, in hindsight being 2020 20, throughout the years I, I had somebody like read my pulse like a guy who was studying chinese medicine read my pulse once he's like you have a lot of repressed anger and i was like I I never had someone tell me that, but it doesn't surprise me. And then I think back to like the punching bag and stuff. So I was like, all right, that makes sense. And I love like doing sprinting or like acceleration, especially as like like you have upright running, which is a little more rhythmic, which is still explosive if it's sprinting. But like sprint acceleration is also is like there's this power and aggression behind it that is like I think it's therapeutic too. So I I hadn't Mm -hmm. thought about it that in that way so much until I read that. But it is interesting, yeah. Like you said, there's probably not a right or a wrong way. There's probably a lot of ways to engage with our emotions and to process them and for me it's just like an awareness of it too i'm sure i, I never heard too like you mentioned like fearful hi, uh, hill sprints too or like even think of sprinting like you know processing running away from something i don't know but like it, it, is
0: it became an interesting psycho drama in one sprint i was i was basically running after myself in anger and the next one i'm running away from myself in <laughs> fear and uh yeah you can just reflect on <laughs> what that that means in life and the, the fearful ones because i had like more of a shallow breath I, I couldn't run i couldn't even run the whole hill when i first started doing it i kept working with it, and i was able to uh do that a bit more while in that fearful state but it was really interesting that the anger was so much stronger of a driver than the fear was
1: that's interesting yeah it's yeah. uh you know i was just thinking like of all the people Every time I've talked about a sprint workout on this podcast or all the time sprinting has been talked about, I would say the, uh, you know, putting emotions like anger or fear into the, like the psychodrama sprint workout that would be like 0. 0.0001 of all like conversations of sprint workouts but <laughs> they were having well, so. really
0: the goal was to access the emotions i wasn't concerned about time on that yeah it's yeah, exactly. uh, very different form of training uh even for me to really engage in that but again I, I found it to be a useful tool specifically for that purpose
1: yeah and i will say you know it i think people are probably familiar with You watch different athletes just do different physical tasks and especially once they get demanding, like running as fast as you can, lifting something that's as heavy as possible or or jumping as high as you can. You see a wide variety of faces, you know, like it's just even funny, even like watching like my kids play sports, you see different faces in the kids playing. Some kids are so happy, they're smiling like the whole time and you wonder like when some of that starts to change for people, you know, as we take on life and take on stress and I've, I, one thing I've been meaning that's been on my list is to get into the Alexander technique more. And just because that, that just gets me thinking of like, even I remember when I was a triple jumping in track. This was my sophomore year. I remember it so well. My sophomore year of high school. And this was like back with like slow, I don't even think this was videotape. Like it's not like phones today. It's like, my dad snapped like pictures of me and it's like each phase of the triple jump for people who are familiar, like my face is like open and like, ang- like, like either afraid or angry. I don't know, but it was like not normal. And at the time I was just like, oh, that's just a weird face. And I'm like, oh, whoa, what's going on? You know, like I got yeah. some things to work through and, but the Alexander technique is interesting because it's like, it puts kind of that ease, I think, into the movement. So anyway, that's something I'm just looking to explore as I go on. It's an interesting area.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: Uh, Yeah. So just finishing up. um, Yeah. Anything new in the world of, you know, we had talked a little bit before the show, like how much is really new in the thousands of years that herbs have been around, right? Maybe there's just more subtle, just ways you you put them together or whatnot, but just anything new on the herbalism front that you're interested in or excited about if you want to share before we get out of here.
0: Yeah, we always have some interesting things going on at Lust Empire Herbs. Uh, we've released a couple new products this year. Uh, a Tulsi Spagyric Tincture—that's a famous herb from Ayurveda, uh, also known as holy basil. Uh, one of my favorites is uh, Mushroom Brain, which is a blend of lion's mane mushroom, which is uh, becoming more and more well known. But uh, along with uh, three other mushrooms that help to activate and round it out. So very pleased with that one. We've been uh, expanding or taking some of the herbs from our VIP program and uh, finally releasing them as regular products. So uh, Hoshi Wu, Spajaric Tincture, like we have a good powder, but the tincture, just the the quality of it is uh, uh, like a step higher. I really enjoyed that. And then we'll be releasing this tomorrow. So it should be out by the time you uh, release this. Is an ant spageric tincture. Mm-hmm. So, ant being one of those great ones for energy. I know you like the, the Phoenix yeah. formula, ant's one of the components in there. But now we have a spageric tincture that is available uh, for that as well. And we got some other stuff coming uh down the pipeline but i'll i'll keep that hush or not
1: oh yeah sounds good and the ant too like that's like from the himalayas for some reason when i saw ant like with the phoenix i was just thinking of like i had this picture in my head like you vacuuming up house ants. answers so like obviously that's not the case <laughs> they come from a place well, not that's not the
0: himalayas but uh yeah. various parts of uh, china they use yeah. a specific type of ant that they uh get out there yeah,
1: yeah for sure
0: yeah, it's, a, it's weird but it works
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah no for sure yeah I, I I forget if it was on this podcast or just in a conversation but I had mentioned when I had taken that Phoenix formula the first time I, I was like tingling and you're like oh yeah it's the ant I was like oh, okay <laughs> that's yeah. amazing though uh, alright well cool well, thank you so much Logan for uh, your time today appreciate it man and it's good talking to you again
0: yeah it was a great conversation very much enjoyed it thank you <laughs>
1: Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the podcast.
0: I'll see you next week.